Hey, good morning, uh, church fam. Um, I'm Tim. I'm the pastoral intern here, and so um, I want to just say thank you real quick for, for allowing me to be with you guys for the last, I think, like six or seven months now. It feels weird because we haven't, like, I feel like a lot of you, we haven't been able to have much of an exchange, and, and I get it, like, with COVID, it's, it's hard to be back at church, um, but I do want to, to meet more of you, and so hopefully by this upcoming Sunday, right, once, once in-person services start again, you'll start flooding back and, and, and we can have more of an engagement. Um, but since, since we haven't really been able to, to meet face-to-face and I, I really haven't gotten to know as many of you or as much of you as I would like, um, I thought I'd share a story this morning to start, if that's okay. Um, and so I grew up here in the Twin Cities, uh, but I grew up loving to play video games. Um, and, and I could sit in front of a... An, in front of a TV for hours, right, with, with a Nintendo or with a PlayStation, and just go nuts. Um, and it's not like I was super good, right? If you asked me, like, a few years ago, was I a good video game player? I was not a good video game player. Um, but as an only child, it was like, it was just what I did. Um, it's just how I, it's how I waste time. It's how I spend my summers, right? My summers were, were rarely fun, right? They were pretty uneventful. Uh, we, we grew up pretty poor, and so I didn't get to do a lot of vacations or summer trips. Um, and, and summer was really just me waiting for school to start back up, right? If you're a parent and you have kids who go to school, I bet your summers are a, a big part of your summers is waiting for school to start. Um, and for me, that's what it was. And I remember when I was young, um, during the summer, my mom would go ote, right? If you're not Hmong-speaking, ote means to go garden or go do stuff out in the, the farmland or the fields or whatever. And so my mom would go with one of my aunties who lived close by, and they would go for forever, right? If you know someone who ote, um, you know that they do it for, for forever in the summertime. And so, right, think about it. Me, at home by myself in the summertime, what am I doing, right? And so from sunup to sundown, if no one was, was there with me at home, right, I'm playing games, no bathroom breaks, no, no, no stopping for snacks or food, right? Just me in front of the TV, right? Developing carpal tunnel in my wrists and my hands. Um, the worst though, right, is, is if before my mom would leave, right, she'd wake me up and I'm like half asleep and she says, do, or son, she says, go eat you mono or make, make a pot of rice before I come home. Or she'll say like, hey, pull this out from the freezer before I get back. And if I'm, if I'm going to be frank with you, right, there was no rice that ever got made. There was no, no meat, no veggies that ever got thawed. And it's not like I wanted to do that, right? It's not like I didn't want to do that. It's just that as a kid, I was primed and I learned how to waste time really well. I was, I was efficient, right? I was really good at just killing time. Um, and what makes that story worse is that I, I had this Game Boy game. If you grew up around the 90s like I did, you, you played Pokemon or you watched Pokemon. And I had this Pokemon game that I got from my cousins. And for some reason, it just would never save. And so, like, I would go catch Pokemon, beat gym leaders, explore the whole Kanto region, right? Um, and then my double A batteries would die. And my Game Boy would just sit there with a black screen. And then my mom would come home. And I would, it's just like, a wasted day, right? Because I have nothing to show for what I did. There's no rice, there's no meat that's thawed, and worse yet, I have no Pokemon and no gym badges. I didn't beat the Elite Four. None of it mattered. Um, 
and, and it was just a, it was a big waste, um, a, a huge waste. And, and, and I'd imagine that a lot of you can relate, right? If you grew up around I did, you played video games. Or if it wasn't video games, maybe you got into books, right? Maybe you could read books for hours on end and just be transported to a different world, right? Maybe you would watch TV or watch movies. Um, maybe you built Legos or you built Gundams. Gundams were huge when I was little. Um, or even if not, if you didn't have a hobby as a kid that helped you get good at killing time, I bet that over the last two years you developed a good time-killing skill, right? right? Just think about all of the streaming platforms, right, that help us to waste time better while we're waiting for COVID to end. Right? And so I, I'd, bet that, I'd bet that you know what it feels like to waste an afternoon or to waste a day. Or better yet, maybe you've learned that you're really good at wasting weeks at a time or months at a time. Shoot, maybe you've even wasted the last two years, right, waiting for this pandemic to end. Worst case scenario, you feel like up to this point, you might have, you might have wasted your whole life, right, waiting. And, and, and I talk about waiting, but waiting is not, not a bad thing, right? If anything, as Christians, we're, we're, we're professional waiters, right? We're the best waiters in the world, right? Because we're waiting for Jesus to return. And this is the ultimate wait, whether we know it or not, right? Waiting for Christ to return. Right, there's this idea in the Bible, right, that Jesus has gone, and one day he's coming back. It's fundamental to the Christian faith, um, and it's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. See, the Bible records Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. Right, after his resurrection, Jesus actually appears in front of a group of his disciples, maybe about 150 people. And when he's there with them, he actually disappears into the sky. He ascends on clouds into heaven. Right, as he disappears in front of this group of about 150 people, two angels appear to the group, right? And they say to the group, why are you standing here looking into the sky? Jesus has been taken to heaven, but he will come back in the same way that you've seen him go. Right, so one day in the future, Jesus is going to come back in this tremendous, in this epic way. Right, and it's, it's so epic that it's not going to be like those movies you've seen where nobody knows and then people are gone, right? Um, his, his, his return is going to be magnificent, glorious, right? No one's going to not see it. And, and Jesus' return is going to actually essentially start what we know as the end times, right? Jesus' return marks the beginning of the end, right? As he returns to judge the living, as he returns to judge the dead, and he ushers in the future eternity, right? We just, we just read the Nicene Creed. We just sang a little bit about Jesus is coming. He's going to establish his, his forever kingdom uh, that you and I get to be a part of, right? But the return of Jesus is still some ways away, right? He said that when he returns, he returns on clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And so unless you and I just missed the most epic comeback in the history of the universe, right? We're all still waiting. We're just waiting for Jesus to return and to finish this, this cosmic narrative that you and I are both a part of. But as you, as you may know, there's a good way to wait for Jesus, and there's a not-so-good way to wait for Jesus. Right? Think about me, that eight-year-old kid, right, playing games for forever. It was not the best way to wait. 
right? I didn't, I didn't wait for my mom with meaning. I didn't wait purposefully for my mom. She asked me to do something and it escaped my mind, right? That's a, that's a bad way to wait. And my fear is that some of us are not waiting for Jesus meaningfully and purposefully. Um, in essence, we're, we're kind of wasting our weight, right? And I want us to be thinking about what does it mean to not waste your weight? What does it mean like to wait for Jesus purposefully? What does it mean to wait for Jesus meaningfully? Um, and the Bible has a good answer for that. So we're going we're gonna to go to the Bible real quick. Um, we're going to actually be looking at a story that Jesus gave to his disciples, a parable, he called it. And a parable of Jesus is, is a story that, that he would use. It's not a true story a lot of times, but it's a story that would kind of paint a picture or kind of prove a point, right? And he gave this parable to his disciples. They probably didn't really understand it at the time, right? Jesus is right there with them, right? So they didn't get what was going on. But for us, we get to look back and understand that Jesus was kind of priming them for, for this moment where he was going to be gone, they're going to have to wait for him, right? And he's, he's trying to paint this picture of what does it look to wait well and what does it look like to not wait well. And so let's, let's look at that together. If you have a favorite translation of your Bible, feel free to grab that yourself. We're going to be in Matthew 25. If you don't have Scripture handy, we're going to put it up on the screen here. Um, and it's a bit of a lengthy text, but we're going to go ahead and read through it. Uh, it's Matthew 25 verses 14 to 27. And so, here's what Jesus says. The kingdom is also like what happened when a man went away and put his three servants in charge of all he owned. The man knew what each servant could do, so he handed 5,000 coins to the first servant, 2,000 to the second, and 1,000 to the third. Then he left the country. As soon as the man had gone... The servant, with the 5,000 coins, used them to earn 5,000 more. The servant who had 2,000 coins did the same with his money and earned 2,000 more. But the servant with 1,000 coins dug a hole and hid his master's money in the ground. Sometime later, the master of those servants returned. He called them in and asked what they had done with his money. The servant who had been given 5,000 coins brought them in. With the 5,000 that he had earned, he said, Sir, you gave me 5,000 coins and I have earned 5,000 more. Wonderful, his master replied. You are a good and faithful servant. I left you in charge of only a little, but now I will put you in charge of much more. Come and share in my happiness. Next, the servant who had given 2,000 coins came in and said, Sir, you gave me 2,000 coins and I have earned 2,000 more. Wonderful, his master replied. You are a good and faithful servant. I left you in charge of only a little, but now I will put you in charge of much more. Come and share in my happiness. The servant who had been given 1,000 coins then came in and said, Sir, I know that you are hard to work for. You harvest what you don't plant and gather crops where you haven't scattered seed. I was frightened and went out and hid your money in the ground. Here, here's every single coin. The master of the servant told him, you 
are lazy and good for nothing. You know I harvest what I don't plant and gather crops where I haven't scattered seed. You could have at least put my money in the bank so I could have earned interest on it. I notice that all, all three servants here, they're entrusted with something while this master is gone. Um, and additionally, right, they have this extended length of time to do something with the gift that they have. Um, right? Imagine what the first and the second servant could have gone off to do with 5,000 and with 2,000 coins. Right? The last servant, though, the last servant wasted it. The last servant wasted the time that the master gave him to do something. Not only did he waste the time, but he wasted the gift that the master had given him. Right? I mean, if he wasn't working the whole time, just imagine what the servant was out doing. First thing he does when he gets this money, buries it in the ground. To do what? Go off and play. Go off and do something. Right? He had a chance to do something meaningful to do some work for his master, um, but he opted out, right? And then he gets called out. He gets called out when the master comes back, and he starts making excuses, right? And he even talks crazy to the master, right? He's like, you're so bad, you don't even, da, da. and the master's like, what are you talking about, right? He, he has this messed up even perception of the master, right? This guy wasted his weight. He wasted his time. He wasted his gift. But the other two didn't, right? Look at the other two servants. The other two servants waited for their master, but they waited faithfully for him, right? They waited meaningfully and purposefully, and they were productive with their time and their gift, right? By the end, they each managed to double the gift that the master had given them to start. And I think that what Jesus is trying to say with this parable is that he wants us not to waste what he's given us, right? There's going to be a time ahead of us when, when, when Jesus comes, right? There's going to be a day where, where, where it's not the, the candle that represents Jesus' presence, it's Jesus himself, right? And we, we, we wait expectantly for that day, but it's still coming, right? And we have to live, we have to do something with the time and the gifts that we have. Right? When, when Jesus returns, what are we going to be able to show for the time that we've had or the gifts that we've received? If you asked, if you asked me about eight-year-old Tim, I would tell you that eight-year-old Tim did not know how to wait with meaning and with purpose. Right? Eight-year-old Tim knew how to entertain himself when he was waiting for something. Right? He knew how to kill time and how to waste time. But eight-year-old Tim didn't know how to meaningfully wait and to purposefully wait. Uh, when, I was, when I was 20 years old, my mom was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And if you've been around anyone who's been diagnosed like that, you know that a lot of times it ends up just a waiting game. And what's kind of ironic is that when I was little, I would wait for my mom to come home. Um, but when I was 20, 21, I was kind of waiting for my mom to go home, you know. Um, and at that point, right, I didn't want to wait like eight-year-old Tim anymore, right? I was just going to sit around and do nothing, right? 
actually came home from college, um, took my mom to her chemo sessions, to her radiation sessions, um, would be at home to, to make meals for my mom. Eventually, she got to this point where she needed help, you know, bathing and dressing and using the bathroom, and I wanted to be there for that. That's, that's how I was going to wait with her meaningfully and purposefully. Right? And if you ask me now, 28-year-old Tim, I would hope that by this point I'm even waiting a little bit better. Right? If my wife were to go hang out with her girlfriends for a little bit, for a few hours, right, I would hope that she can trust me to, to wait with our son, right, to maybe make a meal for her, to maybe clean up at home and to maybe do some shopping if she needs me to. Um, right? But the question that we've all got to be asking ourselves, right, is how do we wait well? Because we're all waiting. We're waiting for Jesus to return. We're waiting for COVID to end. Right? Some of us are waiting for our kids to grow up and move out. Some of us are waiting to have kids of our own. Some of us are waiting to even find the right person to start having conversations about having kids of our own. Um, but we're all waiting, right? And what does it look like to wait well? Right? And my hope is that as you spend your Sunday hanging around the house, running some errands, that you would be asking yourself these questions, right? As I wait for Jesus, how do I wait meaningfully? As I wait for COVID to end, right? How do I wait purposefully? As I wait for my spouse, as I wait for children, how do I wait faithfully? Maybe as I wait for my promotion, I wait for my dream job, I wait for my degree, right? How do I wait meaningfully? And what's, what's beautiful about Jesus' parable is that when the master gives the servants this gift, he doesn't micromanage and tell them A, B, C, and D. He gives these servants the freedom to, to do with what they think is best with their gift. And so maybe you're here thinking, gosh, how do I live meaningfully? Maybe you've got to rethink your finances, right? Maybe you've got to spend your time better, right? Maybe you've got to not binge all the Netflix stuff. Maybe you've got to start talking to people, um, you know, pull up your contacts list on your phone and shoot out a quick, quick text or something. Um, maybe it means getting involved in your community or getting involved at church a little bit. Right, all of these things can help you to wait for Jesus meaningfully, purposefully. And see, I love this idea that Jesus is going to return and that he gets to see firsthand what we've done in our waiting. Or just imagine the joy that Jesus can have with us, right? Because his people are living meaningfully and purposefully. Right? The work that we do doesn't change how Jesus loves us. Right? Jesus loves us. No questions asked. But imagine the joy that Jesus can come back to in, saying, in, in us saying to him, Jesus, I waited a long time. But look at what I was able to do in the time that I was waiting for you. Right? And it doesn't have to be something huge, right? Something monumental. Um, but make it something. And I think that that's all it needs to be, right? Just something. Just not nothing. 
In Titus 2, Paul says this about waiting for Jesus. Paul says, we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, with righteousness, with devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Jesus is making his return one of these days. One of these days, it's not going to be a candle that we look at, but it's going to be Jesus' face that we see. But that day isn't right now. So don't waste your wait. Let's make the most of what we have as we wait for the day that Jesus returns. Let's pray. God, thank you that you love us and that you've called us to be a part of your family, a part of your household. God, we wait expectantly for you as one of these days you, you make your triumphant re-entry, God. Lord, as we wait for you, help us to wait with meaning and with purpose. Help us to not waste the time that you've given us here. Help us to not waste the gifts, the skills, the abilities that you've given to us. God, help us to be faithful to what you've given us. God, I pray and I hope that you would help us. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live differently and to not waste our moments, to not waste our skills and our gifts. God, help us to have courage to to step into something new today, this week, this month, and this year. Help us to do something meaningful and purposeful so that we could see change and impact in in our families and our communities as we work to develop your kingdom here. God, we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.